0: hi everybody welcome to another board. oh sorry that's your job <laughs> alex uh, you everyone thank you for
1: <laughs> thank you for listening to nothing to fear we are a podcast that can be found on uh, oh, oh, sorry.
2: Oh, I, uh our time I, is just all... I
1: did it backwards to the old future
2: <laughs> har 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 you're so funny thank you I think so, too. (laughs) All right. Now I have to leave all that in because it's comedy gold. It's not, but it's staying in anyway because I'm a lazy
1: editor. Comedy bronze. We made the podium. (laughs) Comedy (laughs) bronze. You know what? Comedy personal record.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) welcome everybody to nothing to fear a weekly horror movie podcast starring three jackasses who make jokes about star wars and sometimes talk about horror movies my name is billy schultz and i'm your host and i'm so excited to be talking to you for the start of remake month here at nothing to fear but i'm joined i'm remiss i haven't introduced my hosts i'm joined by alex juan and luke mason hello alex how are you doing today. Hi Billy, I'm good. Hi
0: hi listeners out there. Really great to be here today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate all of you. Hopefully sticking around for the rest of the episode cuz I bet it's going to be a great one. Let's go.
2: <laughs> Alex on the ones and twos. He's going to be taking listener calls all episode. We're doing this one live. No we're not. <laughs> that be fun. I think that'd be fun one day. <laughs> that could be fun. You know what? If we ever do a Patreon and there's a level Okay, question. A question for you Alex. If we do a Patreon what is the level that someone has to pledge monthly where they get to know your social media presence? Get to know or do I have to like add them back? <laughs> you, you have to add them back. Oh. How much? How much a month? <laughs> See, I don't know. See,
0: like I, th- I, th- I don't think it'd be like an honest thing for me to give away because like I'm so lowly invested in social media that <laughs> I would feel bad for whatever amount of money someone paid for it. I feel like I'd be ripping them off even though I wouldn't be doing anything differently than I would be otherwise. You know what I mean?
2: Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Join so, the Alex Wan friendship tier at $100 a month. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Damn, I'm I'm expensive.
2: <laughs> you're a real you're you're champagne for a real friend. Not not real pain for a champagne.
1: Oh man, if only there was a <laughs> word for like buying human companionship from another person i just don't i can't quite anyway
0: it's called friendship luke Luke.
1: (laughs) yeah it's called um, friendship next time we hang out look at a beer
0: and pizza are on you please and thanks (laughs) yeah
1: Well, yeah, I'm Luke, long-time talker, no-time caller, so uh, really excited to be on the show today. (laughs) It's great to have you, Luke. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Yeah. No obsession like self-obsession, and I believe that's also the theme of today's film.
2: (laughs) Boy, boy, yes. Let's get right into it. So... We are doing remakes and reboots for this whole month, and my pick is first. And if you listened to last week's episode, you know that we, or you read the title of this one, you know that we're doing Fright Night from 2011. So here's what I know about this movie. I picked it because I'm really interested in the cast list. Anton Yelchin, Colin Farrell, David Tennant, Tony Collette, you know, uh, it's, a, it's a stand-up cast. Was Christopher it David Mace Tennant? Blast, I thought it was uh, Christopher... Or is, is is David Tennant is, in it too? David Tennant as well, and Christopher mintz Blast. I left him out so. because, like, what's he done since McLovin? Mm-hmm. Come on. But <laughs> I mean, obviously, *Fright Night* 2011. But I'm excited about this one, and I have heard another episode. Of a different podcast talking about it. So I, am, I unfortunately am going in with full knowledge of the plot. And there's just some things that happen in this movie that I'm excited to see. I haven't seen it, but I've just heard someone talk about it. I'm excited to see. And then I'm excited to talk to you about it. So I'm excited that Tom Holland was back involved. He was the one who directed the first one. And is he yeah, directing yeah, I'm really this one excited as well? to, to get into it. Well, let me see. Wikipedia. Directed by Greg Gillespie. So no. Based on *Fright Night* by Tom Holland, but mm-hmm. he is involved.
0: He's involved. Okay.
2: Distributed by Walt Disney Studios. This is a Disney movie, y'all.
0: Well, let's let's be <laughs> real. Everything now is distributed by Walt Disney in some way.
2: That's true. That's yeah. true.
0: That's true. You know, the ga- the gasoline that I pump into my car is somehow connected to Walt Disney as well. It's <laughs> Disney brand
2: gasoline. Yeah. Earn one Disney buck for every liter or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> that's a really good deal. <laughs> Alex, what do you know about this movie? Have you heard about this movie before? Do you know anything about it going in, or um, yeah, I Blank's know like. I know quite a bit about the original *Fright Night*, seeing
0: as we did it before. <laughs> so I mean, like my birthday episode. I feel like every single week we're going to be like, "What do you know about this movie?" Well, I don't know much about it, but I know what like the the original was. But kind of, if we're going to talk about the original, I, I I do remember the the original quite well because I think out of the three of us, I was the one that liked it the most. I actually really enjoyed the first mm. *Fright Night* the the music was one thing that i loved the other thing was just the the self awareness of how do you defeat a vampire well you have to call the vampire hunter who does vampire hunting specials on tv but he's not a real vampire hunter he's just regurg- regurgitating all this bullshit um, but it turns out all this bullshit that he's regurgitating is actually how you defeat a vampire. <laughs> like, I love that yeah. about the original movie. And it was a little bit long. It was a little bit excessive. There was some bad acting in it. But I really like that campy aspect and the meta-awareness of of that movie. So I, I am excited to see how they remake it. Because vampires are cool. Uh, and hunting vampires mm-hmm. is is something that I think is is neat. And I want to see how they modernize this movie. Because I really like the original. Nice. And the cast, yeah, on top of what you said about the cast, the cast looks on paper is like, wow,
2: this is a cool cast. This is a good cast. Luke, have you heard of the remake of Fright Night, or is this new information for you?
1: No, I've definitely heard of it, and I'm more optimistic for it than the previous or the original, because it is it has the advantage of being modern, <laughs> so <laughs> it... <laughs> Well, presumably incorporate a lot of the things that modern movies or have shed the things that modern movies have mostly shed to have Mm. more like (laughs) sensible dialogue and acting in these kind of movies. So I'm excited. Cast list is great. And I assume David Tennant will be the vampire hunter type person. What was his name? Peter something in the original. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I That'll know the vampire fine. was I Jerry Dandridge, was. right? Yeah, Jerry Dandridge. So, yep. I mean, I don't. I don't have a lot of expectations other than probably an even more tongue-in-cheek, self-aware vampire movie. So I'm excited for that. It'll be good. Mm-hmm. Peter Vincent. Yes. Oh, Peter Vincent. Yep. Oh, and Imogen Poots. Okay, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna guess all of the roles. Some of them are easy. Obviously, Aaron okay. Yelchin is the main character. Tony Collette is probably sure. the mom. Colin mm-hmm. Farrell is Jerry Dandridge, the Jerry Dandridge, the vampire. I'm gonna guess Christopher Mintz-Plasse is his buddy, like the one who's helping him. The one that and turns Lena, into like the mm-hmm. wolf. Yeah, and Peter Vincent, David Tennant is the Peter Vincent character. That's I'm Perfect. calling all of those roles right now. Wow.
2: <laughs> good calls, good calls. Thanks. But yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. I I want to talk about I want to talk about the movie so much that like I can't say anything else without having watched it yet or, you know, without spoiling it, referencing directly a different podcast. So I think we'll head into the movie. We'll head into the trailer. There will be spoilers for this movie, friends, and I guess also spoilers for the original Fright Night if you somehow missed that episode back in January. But if you haven't listened to that one, go check it out because it was a fun one to do as well. It was one of the first ones we did in 2021. And... Yeah, I I'm excited. Also, check out doesthedogdie.com dot com for any triggers that will be cropping up or may crop up, and check the show notes as well because if there's anything really bad, we'll make sure to include it down there. And warning: we'll there be are back vampires in, in this movie.
0: I'm pretty sure.
2: Definitely vampires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, vampires. Lots of vampires. All right, but we'll be back in a bit.
1: Hey mom. Hey, just checking in. Watch up to. Uh. Adam Johnson. Adam.
2: You know Adam's missing, right? Right? Kids aren't coming to school. It happens all the time. I
0: don't know if you're paying attention to roll call, but he's not the only one that's gone. You're nuts.
1: This is my son, Charlie, and his girlfriend. Hi. So Jerry is our new neighbor. Hey. Hey. Now listen to me. We've up all the disappearances. That's you right there in the center next to his house.
0: I really hate to be the one to tell you this, but that guy, your neighbor? Jerry. Yeah, he's a vampire.
1: That is a terrible
0: vampire name, Jerry.
2: I've been watching you. Your mom, where there's a kind of uh, neglect, gives off a scent. And your girl, she's ripe. It's on you to look out for them, because there are a lot of bad people out there, Charlie. What's that? I'm gonna end him or he's gonna end me. That's how it's going to be. Charlie's going to find me. I'm counting on it. Oh. You smell that? It's your fear. Just hit him!
0: Did I kill him? Hopefully. good news fright night is a 2011 american horror film directed by craig gillespie it is a remake of tom holland's fright night which came out in 1985 and the film screenplay was adapted by marty noxon the plot follows Mm -hmm. a teenage boy who discovers that his neighbor is actually a vampire which culminates in a battle between the two and that is how you do that in one take
2: that's how you do it one take. On a completely unrelated note, I love it when we get the blooper right off the, the top and we're just ready to put it at the end of the episode. <laughs> okay, so Fright Night 2011, this was my pick for remake month. And you know what? On paper, this movie feels like it was really good. And then in practice, eh, I think I'm kind of cool on it. And not cool as in appreciative. I think it's like... I think it didn't do as good a job as The Fright Night from 1985. But I can't wait to get into it. I thought there was some very interesting parts and some cool takes on the premise and the source material. And then there was a bunch of stuff that I really, really didn't like. And it bothered me to no end. But we'll get into it. (laughs) Alex, how did you find this remake? This was an interesting
0: viewing because... As stated earlier, I think I, I quite liked the original Fright Night because of you know the meta-awareness of it and um, just the music mm-hmm. and just the self-awareness of it I really liked. I found this one did not have that same kind of self-aware charm that the original had, but I thought for the most part this was a pretty decent kind of modern retelling of that story. As the two of you know, that one of my favorite movies of all time is *Super Bad*. Mm-hmm. This had some... Like not as like raunchy teen comedy, but this was like kind of teen comedy, coming of age stuff that like made me think of things like Super yeah. Bad, which you know I really liked the character shifts. Like I I really enjoyed Charlie and mm-hmm. Ed and Amy. I thought like the cast and, and surprised Dave Franco. Random Dave <laughs> Franco, surprise, Dave Franco, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I really like that part, and then, but I I wasn't as sold on Colin Farrell being Jerry. Mm, so there's like, there's parts of this uh, movie I really like, and parts of it that I don't think were as good as the original Fright Night. But I think if I'm looking at this as like a standalone movie, without l- think without trying to compare it to the original, it mm-hmm. was pretty decent. Like. It's not really a scary movie, but it's like it's fun. It's got mm, tons of action. I think the special effects were pretty cool, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I most
2: for the most part, I, I liked, I liked this movie. All right, Luke, how did you find *Fright Night*?
1: It was not the original, which, given my opinion of the original, might make someone think that that was a good thing. <laughs> but this movie actually made me like the First Fright Night a lot more than mm-hmm. <laughs> than I had previous because of that kind of overarching sense of a little bit of a tongue in cheek jokey feel to the overall tone of the movie. This movie wasn't a serious movie, but it was definitely more serious than the original. And I think it mm. suffered from that because this is not a serious story so to take even a little bit more seriously this story like self-seriously I think was not in the best interest of the tone of this kind of movie even though there were some fun parts I just didn't basically every element kind of felt a little bit less than the first one in that I really didn't like Peter Vincent's character in this one i thought it was way (laughs) too over the top and like it was a cool idea to have it be a las vegas performer but then he was just Mm kind of not he didn't compel me but i think probably the biggest weakness this film had is that both jerry's character and charlie's character were just inferior to their original counterparts (laughs) The, the jerry dandridge in the original and even the charlie who was a total shithead but was like kind of charming about it like i honestly and i feel bad because you know he's a good actor overall but i I just i really felt anton yelchin just fell flat acting wise in this like i just didn't think he did a good job of being a compelling lead character and then i also felt that colin farrell just kind of was a one-dimensional Vamp, like vampire va- have yeah. monster vampire head, which wasn't how I felt Jerry Dandridge was in the first one. Jerry was by far my favorite part of the original because he was this kind of suave debonair, you know, gentleman's gentleman. And Colin Farrell just seemed like a thirsty slut. <laughs> <You know? laughs> wow. It just wasn't as interesting to me to see a thirsty slut, I guess. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. All right. <laughs> <In this film. laughs> so yeah. That's my first thought.
2: I agree. There's a lot that went through my head as I watch this movie. And I think going through the plot is not really worth our time because it's basically this it's the exact same as Fright Night One. And you're right, they've changed some of the characters to give them more weight and give them more presence in the story to, I think, lesser degrees of effectiveness throughout the one but uh, to talk about colin farrell and to compare his character with chris sarandon from the original i think that yeah chris sarandon jerry dandridge was very suave very charming like he could charm the pants off any single person or married person or any person that he wanted to no problem and colin farrell's take on it was just way more animalistic right like he just seemed like he was like a straight up predator he was going to like hunt you he was going to take you down and he, he we didn't get to see that like charm like really he just kind of looked smoldering and wore a tank top which like it's Colin Farrell so like fine like let's <laughs> let's get that in our movie if we can but the only time we saw him like being charming was when Charlie calls the cops on him. And it's like seen from the view. And he's just like talking about how he's having sex with the neighbor and all the, you know, the cops are like, ha 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 ha. Okay. See you later. And like, that's the only, that's the only time we get to see him being charming. And the rest of the time, he's just like, he looks like he's stalking everybody. Like he looks like he's a wolf that's ready to like pounce on somebody. And I thought that was an interesting take. Like, That makes sense. It's a vampire. They're hunting creatures. And I think he embodied that physicality really well, but it wasn't as fun as 85 Jerry Dandridge. Yeah,
0: I think for me, the biggest difference between Jerry Dandridge of 2011 and Jerry Dandridge of 1985 is Chris Sarandon's take on Jerry was like, I'm going to reveal myself to you, Charlie, but I'm going to make everybody see, feel like you're going crazy and like he pulled that mm-hmm. off a lot and one of the major conflicts in the first fright night was the fact that charlie couldn't convince anybody that jerry is a vampire right everybody thought he was crazy everybody didn't believe him mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um anytime he confronted like jerry about it with other people around her was like what are you talking about like i'm not like I'm just uh like, mm-hmm. like, I, I just moved in, blah, blah, blah. But then Colin Farrell's take is like, yeah, I'm going to reveal myself that I am a vampire to you, Charlie, but then I'm not going to play that little game of like making everyone else feel like make think that you're you're going nuts. I'm just going to reveal myself to them instantly anyway. So that like it took out a lot of that whole <laughs> tension part that I really liked about the first one. And I think Colin Farrell's take on this character was fine. Like what was said earlier, it's a lot more animalistic, and, and I think that that makes for a cool vampire as well. But in the context of like trying to compare it to why I love the first one so much, like this one just didn't do it for me because of like the the unsettledty of it, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Like
0: the first one was a big cat and mouse game, and this one is just like lion gopher <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> But then the gopher, lion, gopher, the gopher finds another gopher,
2: and those three gophers take down the big lion. That's isn't that a Bible story? It sounds like it could be a Bible story. Is it <laughs> the gopher and the probably lion? Probably <laughs> no, I I totally get what you mean. Like the the subtlety is completely stripped away in this movie, and I don't know if it's because it was from 2011. And I was trying to think of like, okay, what was like big at the time and it's so funny to think that this is only 10 years ago we're recording this in 2021 if you're listening to this in the far-flung future hello but you know it's only 10 years it doesn't seem like that much of a time difference but just the way that the actors you know delivered their lines the like references they made the fact that peter vincent is a complete ripoff of like a chris angel type of like extreme close-up magic (laughs) mind freak you know like it was like oh okay this was like the most 2011 thing i could imagine and and you know we felt like that when we watched the 85 one it was like oh this is very 80s very cheesy monster of the week type of thing and then like to extend it into the time period of the early 2010s it just it was very funny to me to be like oh it's like it's it it hasn't been long enough ago for me to like fondly think of that time period nostalgically but it's like oh yeah that's what we were doing in 2011 i guess and that's what phones look like and that's what you know people bought stuff on ebay still instead of buying something on amazon or etsy or whatever and like just yeah i don't know the the sum of its parts didn't quite add up to a great movie like you think it's got all these huge name actors and actresses in it and It's a little bit like when they made Archie Andrews in Riverdale, like, cool and sexy. And it's like, no, Archie's supposed to be this, like, dumb dweeby guy that somehow, like, nobody can believe he has women falling in love with him. But if you watch Riverdale, you're like, look at him. He plays football and guitar and he's super shredded. Like, there's no way this is, like, a regular high school kid. And they just kind of made it, like, oh no, poor Charlie. He's so, like, he's just got in with the cool kids and he could lose it all if his, like, nerdy friend from, like, Junior high tells, like, secrets about what they did, like, playing in the backyard. And it was just like, why is there stakes to this? This doesn't seem like... Actually, I mean, there maybe a am not...
0: stakes in this movie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. That's what we pay you the big bucks for. Sure. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, it just didn't seem like he was risking anything by... I don't know. I was just like, maybe I, I don't care if somebody outs me as a nerd because I've always been just very much like, yes, hello, I like Star Wars and Dungeons and Dragons and you can't like embarrass me about it. And Charlie wasn't played like that. He was like, he was this like new popular kid who was worried about his status. And so, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with it. His, I'm just his skin around. cleared up. His skin cleared right up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so did mine. Kind of going back to your point earlier about this being oh, sure. such a 20... 20- 11s movie i feel like we had this conversation before about like eras and how era Mm -hmm. things look this was such like a late 2000s early 2010s movie just the props the way it looked it it gave me nostalgia even though it was like just 10 years ago right you you have the (laughs) flip phones you got the skinny jeans you got the american apparel hoodie you got when people are watching videos on laptops you got windows media player going who the hell uses windows media player anymore it's not a thing (laughs) It just looks so twenty twenty tens, like late 2000s. And I, I, I really liked that part of this. And like the modern retelling of this was very charmful. I did like how they kind of shifted things to make it modern. Mm-hmm. I
2: really like that they put it in the middle of the Vegas desert. That made it a very cool reason why a vampire would be there because of what well, they outlined it in the movies. But do you want to talk about the, the differences between the two and, and, and what we think they did better? Or? Luke, do you have anything to add on the points we made, kind of meanderingly?
1: <laughs> no, I think you two are right.
2: <laughs> oh. oh, thanks,
1: Luke. <laughs> yes. Thanks.
0: Now I it's know. recorded. Oh,
1: Luke, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I didn't notice era-dependent things as much as you two, and I don't know why. I don't really know why I wouldn't. I mean, obviously, the world looks different, but maybe not super different from 10 years ago. But I don't know, like I just couldn't, me, I don't know, maybe you two have a better eye for that. But I was just like, well, the truck he drives, that could be today and the minivan, Mm -hmm. that could still be today. Yeah, the phones are probably the biggest technological difference.
0: You know, okay, here's my theory of why maybe I noticed it more, because at that point, 2009, 2010, 2011, I Mm -hmm. was like, not quite comfortable with who i was at that point yet like i was like right. 16 17 18 so it's like i'm still trying to fit in with everything so like those are the things that made you fit in like 10 years ago mm. so like maybe Were that's, you, like... yeah
1: i guess you you would have been in high school 10 years ago right
0: yeah class of 2010 let's go oh, oh yeah. hey okay <laughs> you boomers
1: i mean what? My... watch yourself <laughs> dude our parents are boomers <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We're the same generation, bro. And, yeah. <laughs> every, and every year that passes, you become closer in age ratio-wise. To ratio-wise.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. You're getting closer.
1: <laughs> I think that I was distracted by not a total sense, but a kind of a creeping foreboding sense that this movie was trying to be a more straightforward kind of monster movie Mm -hmm. in a way that the original wasn't to its credit. And I'm like, I'm kind of in limbo about, I don't actually know. I want to give this movie the credit of assuming it wasn't trying to be too serious, but there was a kind of, I'm not going to say humorless exactly, but there was a humorlessness to Charlie and Colin Farrell that, made this movie feel like it was trying to be a stronger film than it ever could claim to be in its own right. And that was, I I was in, I felt uncanny watching this movie because I could never quite pin down what it was trying to do. And Mm. I think that that's not a feeling that exactly leaves you with thinking you watched a great film. So maybe that's what, that's what distracted me from (laughs) noticing the era stuff.
0: I don't think I ever really felt like this film was trying to be more serious, just simply because of the fact that Ed was played by Chris- Christopher Mintz and like well, that was
1: that's part of like, the uncanniness, though. He's never in a serious movie, right? You're never going to cast that guy to be serious or like in a serious film, but there just wasn't enough, I guess, from Colin Farrell to make me feel like like he was just a straight up monster, right? Mm-hmm. and and it mm-hmm. and it really flouts the vampire genre which i think usually i'm in favor of flouting a genre for some sort of new take but i think maybe i feel the opposite about this kind of movie is like this movie would would have been better if colin farrell was a little bit more underhanded and sideways mm-hmm. and kind of like no i'm just trying to build an army so i can make my face look like pennywise and eat you i was like okay <laughs> I'm I'm
0: actually I'm kind of <laughs> curious obviously like none of us will know the answer to this but like I wonder how much mm. of Colin Farrell's vampire character has been influenced by more modern takes on what vampires are like obviously Twilight was a huge thing like like it or not it mm. was it played a huge role in kind of redefining what vampires could be right. Well, they like, reference it too in this movie. Mm-hmm, yeah, they reference Twilight in this movie, exactly. So it's like you have Jerry Dandridge in 1985 was like kind of a, a cool new take of it, right? It's not your traditional like European... Eh, eh, I right. want to suck your blood. It was <laughs> It was like cool, sexy vampire. And then you get Twilight, which is like such a huge global phenomenon. And they have their own telling of what vampires are like as well. So I'm wondering like, yeah. you know, as... As cinema has evolved, so has the character of the vampire itself. So, like, I don't know. I'm just Mm. wondering, like, how how much Colin Farrell might have been influenced by, like, the thought that, oh, like, Twilight is such a big thing right now. Or, like, a year ago that, like, maybe I feel a little bit of influence that I need to act a certain way. or But then I have to compare it to what the original Jerry was like. And maybe I try to find my own cool spin to it. And, like, it's all a mix of all these things put together. Which is maybe why... I guess the best way of putting it is that Colin Farrell's Jerry didn't feel like he
2: had an identity. I think yeah, I think you 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 make a great point and I think there's definitely some scene where if they're trying to make it like a more horror-based movie and more action-based and more it's definitely more bloody and more violent than you know other vampire movies i think it it could be seen as a reaction to the like sexy sparkly vampires from twilight where they're just like you know edward cullen is so broody and he's sad and he is a vegetarian vampire because he only drinks animal blood or whatever and like the the makers of this movie being like no no he needs to be like ruthless and evil and sinister in a way that the twilight vampires aren't because if he comes in looking like all put together in a nice suit and looking real hot and s- charming the pants off every single person in the room, people are just gonna be like, Am I just watching a Twilight movie? So like maybe that's where like mm-hmm. I can see that being a reaction to the vampire in the zeitgeist at that time and them going in the opposite direction, but it's still <laughs> it's like why why make that be Colin Farrell then like make that be Walter and Goggins like that guy can <laughs> be a weird
1: yeah, creepy vampire. And- why why write a vampire that appears to be on cocaine and steroids? Like it's just not <laughs> it's just there's like something like he's just a type A roid rage kind of vampire that doesn't feel or or even okay. I'm I'm this clever vampire that's gonna get around the lore. Oh, you're not gonna invite me in, I'm gonna blow up your gas line so your house blows up. You can't be <laughs> yeah. you don't need to be invited to a house that's blown up. It was so unsubtle. Like, <laughs> I think I think that's like the movie trying to be clever, like, oh look, we can get around these like we found the loophole to this problem, but I was like But that just makes him seem like a ferocious animal with no subtlety. Yeah. It's like okay, okay but it's like vampires must have figured that out before. Why is right. this even a thing then? <laughs> But legitimately,
0: I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, Colin Farrell is the shithead kid that <laughs> finds the loophole all the time. Yeah.
1: But then, but then why is, why doesn't he just do that every time?
0: Because he's, see, like he's... that's,
1: see, that's the problem though, right? Like, I, okay, I yeah. felt his character yeah. was so wildly
0: inconsistent. Like, mm-hmm. for the first bit of the movie, he's like, he, he he's like, I don't know. Ed has kind of narrowed down that like he's a vampire based off of like all the missing people and it all centers on his <laughs> house. So it's like, oh, like obviously he's kind of being sneaky about it because he hasn't just destroyed this entire Vegas right. desert suburb. He's like going about it methodically and house by house. Know, yeah. Yeah. He invites the neighbor over and like he's got a secret compartment with locked rooms and it seems like very planned and deliberate. And then all of a sudden he, it's it's like a switch gets flipped and it's like, Oh, remember the whole all those times that I was subtle and sneaky? Yeah, that's not real anymore. I'm just gonna blow up this <laughs> house just... with a gas line.
2: <laughs> and throw a motorbike through a
0: a window of a yeah, car. <laughs> it's crazy. Th- going back to like the whole if I were to write this movie kind of thing. Oh, okay. Like, I think one really cool way that they could have maybe made him a little bit more sinister. Made the whole cat and mouse thing that was that was what I loved so much about the first one was like maybe in the scene where Charlie, Amy, and what's mom's mom mom mom's name?
2: Collette. Uh, yeah, no. Tony Collette. Oh no, Judy. I want to say probably not Judy. Jane. Yeah. When
0: they're driving Jane. away, and that was close. Yeah, and he's chasing them, right? Like maybe they don't believe Charlie at that point, but there's a car following them, and then they come out of the car and and like. I don't know and then oh fun cameo Chris Sarandon is the is that yeah yeah, is the guy that is the motorist (laughs) killed by Jerry but like maybe (laughs) if he comes and he's like what's going on and then Charlie's like he's he's trying to kill he's trying to kill us he's like no it's like maybe Colin Farrell could have been like a little bit more like no like like we got into a car accident like it's an accident
2: Mm mm-hmm it's rare it's a rare point where we want to encourage more gaslighting in a movie yeah i was just thinking that it's almost like not
1: nearly (laughs) enough gaslighting in this movie
2: too much for literally (laughs)
1: yeah
2: it's just literally (laughs) lighting gas on fire (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah yeah there was lighting gas but not gaslighting (laughs) like the part where colin farrell reveals that
0: he's a vampire to both amy and jane it's like it's instant they already know something's wrong with him and it just yeah. takes out that whole ooh, like Charlie knows he's a vampire, but no one else does, and it's right. like that. That's the funnest part about the first fright night, and it mm. takes it takes the stakes out of it, L- like you said earlier. Like,
2: have, have you heard the story? I don't know if it's anecdotal or anachronistic or not, or true or not, but of like Bill Murray eating somebody's fries at a restaurant. Have you heard that? Have Have either of you heard that story? I'm going to tell it anyway. Do, t- do tell, but. So there's, like, I heard this story on a podcast a while ago, and I don't know if it's true or not, which is the point, because this guy's saying, like, he was at a restaurant, and Bill Murray comes in, walks up to his table, takes a french fry off his plate, eats it in front of him, and then says, nobody will ever believe you, and leaves. And it's just, like, that type of story where it's, like, a, like there's there's no way to prove it, like, Bill Murray wouldn't say yes or no, the guy could tell that story, and you're rightfully so, no one would believe you and that's kind of how jerry dandridge was as a vampire whereas like hey charlie guess what i'm a vampire and no one's ever gonna believe you and but in this movie it'd be like if bill murray came in and ate everybody's dinner off every single table in the restaurant and then told everybody that they weren't gonna believe him because like if if that happens then it's like no you have the whole restaurant who's seen you do this Everyone knows what you did, Bill Murray. And so like that's just kind of the, I think, the subtlety that you're talking about Mm -hmm. in that Colin Farrell is just like, oh, you think I'm a vampire? Well, you're right. I'm a fucking vampire, and I'm going to blow your house up about it. What are you going to do?
0: So that happens, like, I would say about a third to halfway in through the movie. So for the Mm -hmm. rest of the movie, you know exactly what's going to happen. It's a showdown between purely between Charlie and Jerry. Right. There's no more mm-hmm. going to there's not going to be any minor conflicts of his mom or Amy not believing him. So like all that stuff is like put aside and you can't really go down that plot point anymore because Jerry's already revealed himself. It just right. Yeah. Like if I if I'm remembering the first Fright Night correctly, like nobody believes Charlie and he gets Peter Vincent to come to the house. And even Peter Vincent doesn't right. believe him until he sees him like no reflection in the mirror. And that's like mm-hmm. I would say that's like, like a good three quarters into the movie. Right, so it leaves yeah. a little bit more room for like some more conflict between the other characters. Like they, they, the other characters weren't necessarily fighting physically, but they were like the not believing part is still a conflict, and it was an interesting plot point. And it was like
2: I feel like I've beaten yeah, this like, point to death, but it, this movie is no, just not like,
0: as subtle as the first one.
2: Yeah, I think the the subtlety of the vampires was not there and it made the movie feel really weirdly short like it was only a hundred minutes long and it was like okay the the last two thirds of it are going to just be like special effect shots and computer graphics do we want to talk about the Peter Vincent? I want to talk about Ed because I did not like Ed but I want to I, I really want to get that <laughs> scratch that itch so does anyone have anything else to say before I go on another tirade no this is your pod <laughs> Alright. So the whole like I, my Discord name is Glad That Ed's Dead. Because <laughs> Ed's Dead, baby. <laughs> you <Ed's> know. Dead. <laughs> I was really excited to see Christopher Min's Plast in something because I'm like, yeah, super bad. I loved him. He was a dorky dweeb kid and role models, great movie, underrated. He's he plays the same thing. He has the same character. Except in this one, he was like, what if McLovin was a complete asshole the whole time? And Just like the way they diverged from the Ed character in the first movie, where Ed was like this this sort of weird, fringy, lonery guy, but he was pretty harmless. I really just didn't like how they made Ed act in this one. He was like slut-shamey. He was body-shaming people. He was like blackmailing. He was very like mad that his friend was dating someone, and it just sort of screamed like this, I don't know weird internet troll ragey guy and i was like mclevin what are you doing where's your little vest like <laughs> come back mclevin <laughs> I, I didn't like mean mean mclevin it just really bummed me out and even though he's a vampire i don't know he just like didn't change very much from being mean before to being mean after he was a vampire have you ever seen Kickass? i don't think i have is he in that too
1: mm-hmm
0: yeah, he's also kind of like that in that movie, so like, <laughs> I've I've had some experience seeing the other side of McLovin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, I honestly thought that he was written as a high school character really well. Do you know what okay. I mean? Like, mm. I completely agree with everything that you said, but think about it. He's an insecure high school kid who's Fair. one of his best friends is missing and the other best friend doesn't care anymore because... He, doesn't want to hang out with them because he associates them as like beneath him i guess right so i thought like motivation wise character wise i thought it was actually like pretty decently written and i didn't really feel out of it when he was on screen but with that being said though my biggest problem with the use of his character was like he was 100 percent primarily used as a exposition dump right oh yeah By the start of the movie, he's already like, by the way, your neighbor's a vampire, like just out of nowhere. (laughs) And it's like the first 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And that kind of took out the charm of what made the first one so neat was like, Charlie sees all these things that are like kind of weird, like they're they're pretty normal in isolation, but it's like, because you see him over like, combined with all the other things that he starts to suspect himself. But like, and that, that was kind of like a fun kind of mystery part of the first movie where it's like, oh, like we know. That there's a vampire in this movie but when is charlie gonna find out oh now charlie knows how he's gonna convince other people but in this one it's just like ed it's like i think it was the first minute that we see him on screen he's like your neighbor's a vampire by the way <laughs> and that takes up the whole fun of charlie discovering that on his own
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah he's like i did all your homework for you Here's exactly vampire yeah. homework going back to your point luke about how you felt that anton yelchin didn't really do much as a character I feel like that's primarily the problem. There wasn't any part of this movie to develop him as much because right. the problem and the exposition was dumped on him by a different character right away without any setup or buildup.
1: Well, mm-hmm. and also, in my, as as my memory serves, by far the kind of funniest part for me of the first one was the marriage of Charlie's earnestness and his exasperation, <laughs> you know, like just the way he was always kind of like out of breath with confusion of why no one's believing him <laughs> kind of thing. Like he's he's like huffing and puffing his his pleas and no one and he just can't believe it. Right. And I got a kick <laughs> out of that as opposed to this right. movie where Charlie's just like. There's no there's just not like a, a sense of earnestness or exasperation in Charlie's character in this in mm-hmm. this movie. So even though I ragged on it a lot when we did the original Friday Night, it was kind of funny.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I-, I got a kick out of his kind of cluelessness. But this movie was more Charlie just being like clued in, which is more boring because, again, vampires aren't real. So it's hard to like <laughs> care about someone sincerely mm-hmm. taking on this mantle of trying to stop this vampire <laughs> kind of thing. Right. You know, there's no tongue-in-cheek references along the way, and then yeah, with Ed, this is what is uncanny about this movie. I guess other movies too, and this is not the only movie, but a kind of more or less straight take on a fantasy movie like this leaves me wondering what the hell that these characters think they're doing. Because Ed, <laughs> if Ed really believes this is a vampire who can just kill you or whatever, why is he so aggressive and unlikable and? <laughs> not trying to actually figure out how to stop this vampire. It's like, why, in what universe is blackmailing Charlie to spend time with you the best way to stop a vampire? <laughs> so he's just an idiot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. And that's why so I think it
0: was well written because he's an idiot high school kid who's insecure but also you know cares about his friends but doesn't know how to do it the right way.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I guess all we can do is think back to our own selves. When I was seventeen, forget fantasy, like if I thought there was like a mass murderer living in my neighborhood, I wouldn't blackmail one of my friends to try and stop them (laughs) with me. I would go tell the police. Right? Like this is this is what's uncanny about these kind of movies, is like because this movie wasn't more tongue-in-cheek, these passive criticisms come to my mind. It's like, well, if they're gonna play it straight in one way, why aren't they playing it straight in all the other ways that you would play it straight if you were trying to play mm. this straight? Yeah, that's a really good <laughs> right. point. <laughs> right? And so yeah, it's like, exactly. what are you doing, movie? <laughs>
2: yeah, and like blackmailing, I don't know. And that, that whole like blackmailing scene to be like, look at this like dumb shit that you did on the internet a couple of years ago i'm gonna tell everybody maybe it's just like the fact that it's 10 years later now and everyone kind of has dumb shit that's out on the internet and if and like there's just so much <laughs> critical mass of dumb shit on the internet that's like you can't find anybody's individual dumb shit unless you really want to dig for it so it's like i, I just remember the, like that time that time period of people being like oh careful you post online once you post that online it's there for." ever and anyone can find it and it kind of like tapped into that sort of like fear of you know watch out you know watch out being on the internet teens because what if you want to get a job someday and it's like everyone's got dumb shit they've done on the internet that's what the internet is now it's just
1: you know plus if we're going to take your analogy of angry troll ragey internet guy billy this mm-hmm. movie really doesn't paint it well because in angry internet troll ragey guy was right. <laughs> that's true, yeah. <laughs> he was correct. He was factually correct. Well, that's not that's not helpful. <laughs> that's not what we want. No. <laughs> the last thing I want to do
2: is encourage trolls to be like, "You know what? Ed stuck to his gun So, <laughs> me too. Hey, Ed. It's about ethics in video game journalism.
1: <laughs> Ed knew what he was talking about, so so do I.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Except for Ed's like downfall was thinking he could outsmart the vampire because he had seen research and, and and gotten the information from somewhere. So, like, obviously, vampires in this universe exist and are real, and there's different breeds of them, apparently. And so his, like, downfall was being like, I know everything about vampires. You can't get me. La la la, I'm in this house, and you're not invited. And, you know, we get the first turn of it being like, well, if it's an abandoned house, there's nobody who can invite me in, so... Here I come stepping through the the door and killing you Ed. But yeah, it's it's a weird line <laughs> of being like what what is real vampires in this movie and what is fantasy and In the 1985 one, I know we're comparing a lot. That's going to be happening a lot this month. But in the 1985 one, it was like the way Peter Vincent figured it was just accidental. And I thought that was like really cool. Like we had a big long conversation about how it's like, imagine knowing a fictional story so well that it happens to turn out to be true. And you just happen to be the person who could like solve everything. And in fact, has all the weapons to do (laughs) Imagine
0: tomorrow, a Death Star is flying over Earth and... The biggest Star Wars nerd is like, give me a fighter jet. I'm going to blow this shit up because I know exactly where I'm supposed to go. And they do it and it works. Right? (laughs) Like, that's the absurdity of the first one that I love so much was that, like, (laughs) he was just pretending the whole time because it's a show, but it turns Mm -hmm. out he had it all along anyway, because, like, what he thought would work against vampires actually did work, which is so cool. And it was missing that charm in this one. Mm hmm.
1: Well, I mean, it must have been the original Friday Night. We brought up the movie Galaxy Quest because that's like essentially that whole movie is <laughs> that plot point. <laughs> that's true. That that's a whole movie of Peter Vincent's. <laughs> that's true. Yes, that's a good movie. I was just thinking though, like we've come across this enough that I feel like there mm-hmm. either should should be a word for it, or we should coin a word for it in okay. any work of fiction. But I guess a movie because we do movies. When the characters of a universe are played straight, but they're also met with like a supernatural phenomenon or a monster that I'll at least go out on a limb and say doesn't exist in reality. So (laughs) I don't have a strong intuition about how to judge that scenario because it is kind of like asking, (laughs) how do I evaluate someone taking on fairies or elves or goblins? Right? Like, I can Satan. do that as metaphor. I mm-hmm. can do that as metaphor, or I can do, like, how do we take on grizzly bears or <laughs> or or jaguars or other people that are interested in hurting us? Like, I have a strong intuition of how to feel about both of those. But when a movie invites us to try and bridge that gap in a way, I don't know how. I just do not know how to think about movies that give us these monsters that they just say exist like animals do but mm-hmm. have all these powers that are still somehow i guess they're still like animals because they like vampires can be defeated by human artifacts so mm-hmm. i guess i guess i just have to i think if there was like a very angry bear that lived next door to me not <laughs> not the fetish but you know <laughs> <laughs> Like an actual baby. I mean, it doesn't bear. have to be a fetish. It can just be a normal thing. I don't know. I've never experienced this, mm-hmm. but if there was an angry wild animal that was beside my house, I would not assume the most effective way to deal with that was blackmail one of my friends. <laughs> I just that's not the make point, that point, That's the point. You, <laughs> yeah. you went on this five minute long tangent. And just... I wouldn't do it. So. Here we yeah. go. Luke will and, not blackmail his friends to defeat
2: supernatural forces.
1: Or animals. <laughs> or animals. <laughs> okay, but... But I still to... want to figure out a word. I want us maybe not okay. right now, but mm. to think about a term for the marriage of reality and like something like supernaturalism in a way mm. that we, we can't have an intuition in reality other than subconsciously, maybe. But I don't know what that Stay is. Stay tuned.
2: <laughs> Listeners? Yep. And nothing to fear podcast on Instagram, NTF Pod on Twitter. Let us know what word we should use. Just throwing it out
0: there. Fiction stentialism. Mm.
2: Fiction stentialism. Really How rolls about... off
1: the tongue. It really rolls off.
2: <laughs> How about really true fiction?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. Huh? That's an idea. No. You're right though. There there has to be some sort of phrase for what we're experiencing in this realm and in these movies we do but i can't think of it right now and i i don't know i'm sure there's been some scholar who's written about it but i'd like to talk about the differences we talked a little bit about it but let's talk about peter vincent and the addition in this storyline of having him suffer an attack by jerry dandridge the vampire himself for it is he who like attacked his parents when he was little and that is what made him be a vampire hunter rather than Nineteen eighty five old Peter Vincent just doing it because it was a job and he needed an acting gig. What do we think about that? Pure charlatanism. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I got some thoughts. Let's go. In a vacuum, I think this Peter Vincent was pretty good, honestly. Like very eccentric character. David Tennant mm. is just he's hilarious as always. I, I loved like the ridiculousness of it all. Mm -hmm. When he's just like ripping off all that facial hair, the piercings, (laughs) his wig, yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, this leather's so itchy. And he's like, he's he's an alcoholic, because it makes me think of those Vegas performers that perform like 340 days a year. Mm -hmm. at some theater and they're really wildly successful at it but they kind of hate what they do but they do it because it it pays really well right I, i i and in the context of this movie being set in vegas and like the whole vegas scene having all these shows and all that stuff was like cool and we get a little bit of background story where his parents were killed by jerry and then to kind of suppress like the trauma he's he he's convinced himself that it's all make believe, but with all this knowledge that it's make believe, he he becomes like a world renowned quote unquote vampire hunter that has these like shows with all these a little bit unsubtle amount of sexy vampire ladies. A little bit, a little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little it was, bit. It was a it's Vegas, <laughs> Billy. It's Vegas. But all yeah, all right, all right, You're okay, fair. <laughs> so I think in this movie alone, I had no problem with this Peter Vinson. I thought it was like a cool take and a really interesting way of making this character up Hmm. now on the other hand if i'm comparing it to 1985 peter vincent that's when this character falls flat because Hmm. 85 peter vincent is so much better than this one in every single (laughs) way it's like i just loved how like i'll say it again and again because that was probably my favorite part about 85 fright night was the fact that he's this tv show host that all his tv specials are about how to kill vampires in certain ways and he's got all this memorabilia but he doesn't believe in himself but it turns out all the things that he's said to the world what like as he was bullshitting his way on tv they are actually true and he's so unconfident in himself but then when he starts to realize like he's had the knowledge and power all along he gains confidence that's such a cool part of the first *Fright Night* that I didn't see at all in this one, and that's why this this Peter Vincent just kind of falls flat for me.
2: Yeah, I think David Tennant had a hell of a fun time not being Doctor Who, and because he he finished being Doctor Who in about 2010, so getting to do something that isn't Doctor Who after doing it for five years, I feel like he he really. Um, sunk his teeth into the character of (laughs) (laughs) Vegas (laughs) Peter Vincent and I I just yeah I don't know I, I didn't like I don't know at first I was like oh cool he's got family ties to this vampire and it killed him and he recognizes the sigil and that's how he gets on board and he's got a lot of trauma I was like I thought that was cool at first but then I was just like oh so he just He's a weird like vampire fanboy kind of and collects artifacts and buys them off eBay and buys all these weapons because because he knows vampires are real but he chooses not to fight vampires and eradicate them. He chooses to be a Vegas guy about it because because of trauma like I just I found that to be uh, you know unbelievable. It's like why wouldn't you why wouldn't you I don't know. Why wouldn't you heed the call? And especially with Marty Noxon behind it. Marty Noxon is one of the writers of this. She worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer for so long. So I was like, oh, cool. Marty Noxon's like got a hand in this. Like maybe we'll get to see some cool vampire slang. And there's a bit, but like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just his trauma response. I can't judge Peter Vincent too harshly because my parents weren't killed by a vampire in front of me. So, you know, (laughs) What can I really say? (laughs) It all started at the young age of
0: five when I walked in on my parents getting sucked by a vampire.
1: (laughs) 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 Yep. Uh, (laughs) Uh. See above. What are
2: your uh, your thoughts on Peter Vincent? (laughs) See above.
1: (laughs) Well, it felt like David Tennant was trying to play a character. That was trying to be what it conceived of as Russell Brand in that role.
2: Never mm, yes. really, okay. never really, yes, yeah,
1: never really understanding that the best way to be a Russell Brand character is to be Russell Brand, not acting. So, <laughs> the fact that Russell Brand is just his own character, it feels like, was yeah, kind of. It felt like he's he's a he's a mis mishmash between Chris Angel and Russell Brand. And yet it wasn't him. Like, it probably would have been better cast as Russell Brand. Yeah, honestly. To be that character.
2: (laughs) I guess that was 2011. Like, that would have been peak Russell Brand Mm. time for everyone.
1: And so it just, it didn't feel compelling in the way that Alex talked about. Because Peter Vincent already does know that they literally exist. It's kind of, it takes the wrinkles out of the first one. Again, this is just a yeah. straightforward sheet. This is more like a ver- <laughs> like as from Peter Vincent. This is like a revenge story. Mhm. No one watched Fright Night or talked about it because like, "Oh, man, this is a good revenge story." <laughs> you know, like it's just it? This movie deviated too far from the first one to be enjoyable, I think. Mhm. It just did mm-hmm. in its in its tone and in its characterization. And yeah. I don't know why it chose to do that. <laughs> I just don't know why. I'm, I'm I feel like it
0: was it was far struggling. enough removed from the date, though. Like eighty, I, I haven't done the math, but I think that's
2: let's see twenty six years, 26 years? in twenty eleven. years in twenty eleven, I was twenty six yeah. years oh, old. Yeah, twenty six. <laughs> yeah, if yeah. it's twenty six years
0: removed, I don't know. We, we can only speculate what was the decision behind changing certain things and mm-hmm. keeping some things the same, but. Not for others, like it's all speculation. But like only really the, I guess the director and the the screenwriters will will truly know why they decide to do certain things this way. And you know, other people might disagree with us and think that this movie did a really good job. And there's probably other people like us that think you know, you know, first one did it better.
1: Unfortunately, I feel like not only did this movie not live up to its original, I don't even think without the original it'd be a very good movie. I that's like part of the Mm. problem is that it didn't there's some remakes that deviate pretty far but are still pretty good on their own merits. And maybe maybe we don't all think this, but I just didn't think this movie was very good on its own merit either because of its own kind of convoluted it didn't grip me because okay, we know he's a vampire from the very beginning, let's go kill him. And that's the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and great news
0: is we get to find out all about remakes this month
2: yes sure. we do we get all that <laughs> i
0: think it would be a really interesting kind of experiment to show someone that's seen neither of the movies this 2011 one first and then have them watch the 85 one and and hear mm. their thoughts on which one they liked more what they liked about certain movies what they didn't like about them because sure i i really do truly believe that without the context of the first one i probably would have actually liked this movie more than I do now
2: okay really
0: I I really do believe that but there's (laughs) just that charm of watching the first one and me like loving all that stupid stuff about it that was missing (laughs) in this that made this feel like not as great of a movie so I wonder if it were to be reversed and I saw this one first and I'd be like "Uh, standard vampire movie whatever like get some sexy teens and some sexy Vegas women but and they're all fighting vampires, and then watch the first one, would I be like, well, this first one's fucking stupid. Like, I don't like it at <laughs> all. Like, I'm I'm curious, because hmm. maybe, maybe. So I, I, I would, I want to, like, I, I would be really curious to see what someone who's, who watches this one first and then the 85 one first has to say about it.
1: I feel, I Listeners. think, part of why, part, I guess part of the problem I see with this is that I can't think of any other vampire movie that is like this movie. And that's kind of a problem with this movie, I think, is that this movie doesn't feel like a vampire movie. This movie feels more Mm. like a werewolf movie or like a more ferocious type of monster movie, like an aggressive demon or some sort of psychopath even, right? Like, I think this movie would have been better that instead of a vampire, Colin Farrell was... Like a serial killer. Yeah, yeah, this movie would have been way better if that was the actual... Not way better, maybe, but I would have, it would have been, I think there's a reason why certain monsters have certain lores and motifs around them, and whether on purpose or on accident, this movie kind of eschewed all those motifs and tropes about vampires that felt kind of, like, irresponsible storytelling. Well, that's a that's a great point, <laughs> Luke, because so. if we're
0: actually looking back on the 85 Fright Night A big motivation to Jerry Dandridge's character is he had that lady that he fell in love with like years ago who looks like Amy, remember? Like that was his whole motivation of trying to get Amy as like his, I don't know, his vampire bride. Whereas in this one, like Colin Farrell's Jerry just doesn't have any motivation other than I want to. He wants to build his family, I want to kill things. Exactly.
1: Like the kind of idea of the vampire is they're so charming and refined and cultured and they they know all the best wines the actual blood no it's wine (laughs) right like that's how Mm the intro and they're they have a palette they've they've seen the world right they have the nicest clothing they host the nicest balls they are Mm -hmm. that kind of archetype of the dangerous stranger who might invite you into more interesting world and they're not exactly ashamed of their animal desire to suck your blood, but they keep it hidden. It's not really a big part of what they want to show to the world, right? It's kind of like their mm-hmm. dirty little secret that they'd rather not talk about, even if they. that's when they let themselves loose. Whereas, again, if, if a vampire is sweet, sweet intimacy with a loved one, Colin Farrell was Pornhub right like that's exactly what it was he was shameless yeah in his animalistic nature to just fucking eat your whole body let alone suck your blood like yeah he doesn't care where he he doesn't even need to be your neck he'll just go for you anytime just anywhere go for any place yeah so it's like i don't know he, he definitely didn't seem like that acculturated <laughs> debonair definitely not man. A-
2: and I we're circling back to again like what was in the vampire zeitgeist at the time, and I just did some some looking up online, and I know that B- the Blade movies had come out in the '90s. There's a tri- '90s and early 2000s right. Wesley Snipe, the Blade movies, and also the Underworld movies, which is like vampires versus werewolves, and that was all very leather cat suits and crossbows that shot a million bolts, and vampires and and lots of blue lighting and stuff. And so it feels like when we're stuck with the action-y vampire movies that were so popular around this decade and, and a couple a couple decades earlier, there's like so many tropes about evil, ruthless vampires to fall in into. And they, I don't know, it just seems like they, they had so much to pick from and they kind of just like grabbed randomly. And what the movie that came out was just like, huh. It was, it was kind of a nothing burger. Like, it was, like, we have a great cast. We got, like, awesome names. We got a great director. The original guy is back. We got Ramin Jawandi who did the Game of Thrones music. He wrote the music for this. Like, everyone is up and coming. It's going to be so great. And then it, like, added up to this movie that's just kind of like, yeah. I mean, okay. Like... It's like a fast food burger. Like it's okay. You're gonna eat it. You're gonna be happy about it. But it's not gonna be above like a six out of ten anywhere you go. And that's kind of like the consistency you expect. It's like it's just okay enough. Yeah. To uh, it's it's no Cinemax. (laughs) It's just Pornhub. Yeah. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mixing food and porn metaphors. We're all over the place here. (laughs) We're all over the place. What a mess. All right. The biggest
0: sin that this movie had, though, for me—wow, we haven't even got there got yet. Yeah, <laughs> this is actually this. This one is a very serious one, and it cuts deep. Okay, oh, was not bringing error. that original soundtrack back, or at least modernizing mm. it. I yeah. Yeah. love the original movie's music, and this one, it didn't ha- like it. It still had the theme song to it. Like anytime there was stuff ramping up. There was, like, the the music playing. But it's so... It was, like... I can't remember what it sounds like. No. Right? Like, all I know is it was there. But the first one was so recognizable. I'm so disappointed
2: that they didn't bring that back. Okay. That's... I I agree. I, the music was... It, it struck a... Hmm, it struck a chord for me. That was an unintentional pun. But here we go. <laughs> that... It felt familiar in a way that it wasn't like *Fright Night*. It wasn't. No, it wasn't the music from *Fright Night* one, but it did feel like I could recognize it. And it is because the *Game of Thrones* composer wrote it. And it sort of, you know, how you can like hear something by John Williams, and it always kind of sounds like John Williams. Like that's kind of what it sounded like. I was like, oh yeah, this does. This has that guy's style and flair in it. And it's not hummable. I couldn't tell you what any of the songs were called or sounded like and it was just sort of generic actiony music hmm. yeah ultimately very forgettable so a good that's a good ultimate sin for you for that's me the, sin the for biggest me. sin of this movie and maybe this is just me having to chill out because it's 2011 but the effects were very weightless that bothered me a lot like you know, whenever when they were like doing the, the 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 car chase and the truck like smashes into the side of the minivan, it felt like that was on a green screen. It felt like the you know well, Billy, the motor. Guess
0: what? I have a surprise for you. That one hundred percent was with a green screen.
2: It was. Oh. <laughs> I don't think they <laughs> ran you. Colin Farrell over with a car. That's that's no, no, my no. hot take. Not- <laughs> I'm just going to put Not it out that there. part <laughs> when 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 he sideswipes them like when they're they're driving around the minivan and he sideswipes them it, it feels very like chunky and composited oh, yes. and like all the 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 morphing into the vampire mode like that looked really weird and flat and like slimy kind of and Ed's transformation I mean they really fucking put him through the ringer in the end like he gets his arm cut off he gets a you know he gets stabbed he gets a crossbow to the or a big broad axe to the neck and like he looks like shit but I was just like oh I just the effects are they're yucky they're kind of like "Mm, I don't like it and then they open all their mouths and they're just Pennywise mouths that have 10 million teeth and all of them are vampire fangs somehow and you're like oh okay great (laughs) it was just like oh yeah, this is what this is the best they could do in 2011. All right. Mm-hmm. I guess so.
1: <laughs> they hired the Attack of the Clones CGI guy. <laughs> Industrial Light I, Magic?
2: I, I, could have been Industrial Light Magic. You know, it's funny. This movie was on Disney Plus, so.
0: <laughs> I did not know. See, that's my fault. I didn't bother to check because I was like, there's no way this is on Disney Plus. But <laughs> right. lesson learned, I'm going to check every single platform next time. <laughs>
2: Look, we all have a million streaming platforms. We gotta check them all. <laughs> yeah what What about the effects? Or do you have a biggest sin, Luke? Uh,
1: I you guess... can only pick one. <laughs> I don't know the biggest one. It's just this movie was not compelling, and it wasn't compelling because the main, like all the lead characters, didn't make it compelling, and then the writing didn't help salvage any lack of emotion on the part of the main characters so Mm. all these scenes in jerry's house where charlie is like sneaking around and trying to find oh he's got this extra little dungeon lair oh they're they're gonna turn or they're in the midst of turning it's like oh man what are the stakes i wonder if charlie's gonna die right now well probably not because it's still the middle of the movie and this is a remake (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it's just that's fair. Oh, he's he's looking yeah. around the corner and Jer- and Jerry can't see him, but he like he glances a bit then he hides. Does he see him? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen now. <laughs> and I'm obviously using the tone I'm using because I'm like there just was no moment of me caring about what would happen next because I knew that the movie would be resolved in the end probably with Jerry dying. <laughs> mm-hmm so was
2: there any part of this movie i'll ask it to all of you was there any part of this movie that surprised you at all
0: yes actually go ahead i don't remember the neighbor's name the the go-go dancer doris doris yeah when charlie rescues doris and they're sneaking out the house but then like you know there's that whole little scene where they're trying to get out but that was the lion and gopher scene that was the lion and the gopher (laughs) scene yeah but when they finally break out of the house and it's daytime safety but then doris just blows up with the sunlight <laughs> because clearly she was transformed into a vampire by that point that was actually like surprising to me and i thought that was actually really cool yeah yeah i i, I really enjoyed that part actually
2: that was the unexpected part for me as well i was just like whoa shit yeah i was like she what blew the, the hell <laughs> i
1: was like damn did she get changed <laughs> yeah but i but that's that is- a good example. Like that was definitely visually affecting, but it's also the kind of surprise that doesn't stay long with you because, of course, then the logic catch- catches up, and you're like, "Well, yeah, that is what mm-hmm. would happen." It doesn't <laughs> make me think of like, "Oh man, I totally misrepresented my views on what I thought about what was happening." It's just like, <laughs> "Oh, I had a blind spot in the logic, and it caught up to me right. in a visually <laughs> in a visually interesting way," mm-hmm. which which was good. Yeah, I okay. honestly, the part of the movie that surprised me was when Colin Farrell like blew up the house, and then yeah, was like his that... his glib his glib remark like, Well, you can't bite me in when the house is burnt down I was just like, <laughs> Fuck off movie <laughs> like that's a fuck off movie moment because like that that is like the movie acting like a seven year old who found a really <laughs> shitty loophole. Yeah. Why even have these motifs around vampires if you can just blow up houses? And then why isn't he just doing that all the time? So I was like there I to the movie's credit, until it didn't meet this, I didn't assume it would do something that stupid. Yeah, okay, you know what? <laughs> I like that scene. Originally, I thought that was clever.
0: <laughs> Colin Farrell's Jerry Dandridge was Was he even called Jerry Dandridge?
2: Yes, he was. Okay.
0: Well, I know he was Jerry. I don't know if they ever said like Last name, Dandridge. But Colin Farrell, <laughs> I'm writing a little Jerry bit of backstory Dandridge. and some lore. Originally, okay. he was a big real estate guy and owned many, okay. many houses and apartments and was the landlord of all these said locations. And the way that he would okay. invite himself into the home is he would just evict the people that he wanted to eat or attack. And that was, mm-hmm. that was the original loophole. But unfortunately, with the housing-like crisis of America in, what, 2010? 2008. He had to sell... 2008? Yep, of course. Yeah, yeah, I know my dates. Are you sure it was in 2007
1: or 2009? 2008, okay. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: He had to sell all his assets, and he didn't own these homes anymore, okay. so he couldn't invite himself in by evicting out his tenants. So, in return, right. he had to resort to arson. So, okay. if, if this movie was made four years ago, he... Colin Farrell would have been
2: way more subtle about it. Ah, he would have been. Yeah, he was just he was he was frustrated. He just he didn't have time to play games. He needed to mm-hmm. rebuild his family, and so okay. Did someone say family?
0: <gasps> Speaking, Speaking of family, family uh, I saw Fast Nine the other the other week.
2: <laughs> Save it for something to cheer, Alex. Save it <laughs> no, for something I'm not cheering that movie. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> They go to space. They have a rocket car. All right. Anyway, spoilers, I guess. <laughs>
1: <Isn't it> insane. <laughs>
2: <laughs> One more thing I want to say. I I feel like I can't skate past it, but I really didn't like how Ed's final line was to make a gay joke about him dying holding Charlie. Didn't care for it. Not interested. Don't make gay jokes in movies anymore, people. It's not good. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yeah, 2011. They were not as
2: caring back then. Or knowledgeable. Back then, yeah, I know. It's taken so yeah, long. It sucked. Don't do it. Don't do it. I was just like, and as soon as he did it, I was like, don't say it. Don't, don't you fucking say it. And then he's like, this feels pretty homo right now. I was like,
1: <sighs> <sighs>
2: anyway, do we have anything else to say about Fright Night 2011 before we rate it, review it? We already reviewed it before we rate it and do all that other shit.
0: I did really like when they were in Peter Vincent's kind of Vegas clubhouse mansion, mm-hmm. and they're just they're just break, like breaking glass to grab weapons and stuff. And then <laughs> like that Amy too. loads up that gun and shoots Jerry with like all the rounds, and it's like it's silver bullets, and he's like werewolf,
2: <laughs>
0: and she like, like throws the holy water on him, it's like vampire, and. I thought that was that was a really fun sequence and I, I liked Yes, I, liked I actually that did like lot. that.
2: Yeah. I thought that was clever and it made me chuckle. And then she got turned, but luckily there was a cross that could turn every vampire back into their regular selves if you kill the main vampire with it because How it's a fucking control Z cross. Huh? Oh my god. <laughs> Just undo. Ah, <laughs> oh, we did it. It was blessed by <sighs> Saint Michael. Michael?
1: There is a definite legitimate case to be made that on balance, vampires have done way less evil in the world than Catholic emissaries. So I don't <laughs> understand why it's that direction of holiness that is necessary, but I digress.
0: Yep. I uh, agreed. You make an excellent point, Luke.
2: <laughs> well, not as I good agree. as that steak. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked how obviously tony collette like picked up the bundle of realtor yard signs and moved them up across the camera point first into the minivan just to be like hey audience guess what we're gonna kill a vampire with later yeah oh. it's a, it's check off <laughs> real estate sign check off real estate sign and then okay one more question i had when they're in the the end and peter vincent's in the pit of dirt and jerry dandridge flicks the little pebble at him and hits him on the forehead to like make him bleed do you think that was a callback to when colin farrell was bullseye in the 2003 daredevil movie with ben affleck i've blocked that movie out of my brain so i don't know (laughs) i was just like that movie was so bad if that was a deliberate choice bold choice movie (laughs) bold choice (laughs)
1: I don't know if that but, reference would have made Fright Night any worse, though.
2: No. So.
0: <laughs> See, that was that would have been another problem. If they're so self-aware of stuff, why can't they be self-aware the whole movie? Mm.
1: Colin yeah, Farrell has go. been in way better movies that you could have referenced. <laughs> this movie would have benefited if they had even one sentence written by Martin McDonough or whoever wrote In Bruges.
2: <laughs> F- fucking
0: <Fair> Vegas <laughs> he should have said that <laughs>
2: fucking Vegas alright all right. so this was my pick I think we'll go into the scariest part of the movie <laughs> now and for me zero parts this was almost not a horror movie this was very much to me felt more like an action movie than anything that we've done in the horror canon so no scariest part for me Luke scariest part Nope. nope Alex,
0: scariest you know part. What? I will be consistent. Something that this movie was not. <laughs> okay. I will consistently pick a scariest part of the movie, even though I didn't find it. this movie scary. But I think the scariest part of the movie for me was when when Tony Collette stabs Jerry with the stake, and then his body starts contorting like that very second. Oh yeah, that was like kind of gross and. As much as you didn't like the special effects, I, I did think that sequence looked pretty good. Like, how oh, he's just squirming around and just, like, transforming in and out and looking monstery and also human-y. And
2: it was neat. Cool effect. You know what? I agree. That was one that I did sit back and go like, ooh, that's, like, unsettling and gross. So, yeah. You know what? I agree. And you've guilted me into picking a scariest part. So <laughs> I'll go with... Uh, so scariest. The one that made me jump was the Doris explosion. Because I was just like, whoa, that was unexpected.
0: <laughs> unexpected.
2: Unexpe- most most unexpected, unexpected part of the part movie. Of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mu Potem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got to rate this one. And I'm picking Peel Off Goatees to rate it out of. So, how many peel off goatees should we give this movie and for me it's gonna come in just above an average score just above 50 50 i'm giving it a 2.6 2.6 so i had i had fun in it i laughed a couple times i groaned way more times than i did but it still wasn't an abject failure so 2.6 peel off goatees luke how many goatees are you giving this movie (laughs)
1: Honestly, I felt this movie was pretty uninspired. I I can't quite decide which was lazier, the acting or the script. So, this is just not my kind of movie. So, I'm gonna Mm -hmm. give this one one peel off goatee out of five. Ah. One Mm -hmm. peel off goatee. All
2: right, Alex one, two shot one, three take one. Before I rate this, there's (laughs)
0: one more thing that actually pissed me off about this movie that I just remembered about okay when they're running away from Jerry and they escape out of Peter Vincent's like loft or whatever whatever it's called and they're in the club sure. and they get separated and Amy gets like taken by um taken Jerry. by Jerry and then as Charlie's running towards them and like the the bouncer just like out of this crowd of hundreds of people is like points out to this Obviously he's a high school kid in this movie but like how different looking is he than any other person in that <laughs> scene? It's like how did you get in here? As if like he's got sudden <laughs> like suddenly like special eyes that make him see age. That was pretty lame. Yeah. Also when like he's like she needs help and and the guys like looks like she's doing just fine or whatever. I don't know. It was lame. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, that was that was a shitty scene. But that was annoying. That pissed me off. All right. Anyways, what I will rate this. I still feel the exact same about this movie at the start as I do right now talking about it hasn't made me dislike it or like it more it's just another movie that we've seen I really enjoyed the first fright night some parts of this one were done pretty well and I thought were a clever way of retelling the story Some, some of it was really lame and I wish they did it better but I overall just like you Billy I had fun with this I had I chuckled I also groaned but because I enjoyed the first fright night so much And I think this was a cool cast. Uh, I'm going to give it a 2.75 fake facial
2: hairs. Was that it?
0: Peel off goatees. Peel off goatees. 2.75 peel off goatees out of five.
2: Peel off goatees. All right. All right. Here we are at the end of another episode. And I am dying to turn the fans back on because it's really hot. But we still have to cheer (laughs) something. So without further ado, I will start the something to cheer section off. And I've got a big one. And that is that I am, as you may be able to tell from the difference in sound, it's probably all off again, but I have moved Everything into my French. apartment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have moved into my apartment with my partner Kelly in Quebec, and I'm settled in as the time of recording when this comes out. I'll already be here for a couple of weeks, so don't even worry about it. But I made the trip across... Oh. Very very many days in the car, and it was a wonderful trip with my other girlfriend, Amy, and we got to go together, which was really fun, but that was amazing and soul-filling, and I'm so excited to be here in Quebec, starting my new chapter. So, woo, successful moves. No ordeals. Yes. Alex, what are you cheering?
1: Oh, are we going out of order now?
2: I don't know. <laughs> I just picked... Luke, you go next. No, Alex, you go last. Luke, you're next. <laughs>
1: Oh, we're going in order now?
2: <laughs> you know what? I'm going again. I'm cheering.
1: <laughs> well, hello. Go My name there. is Alex Wan, and welcome to Nothing to Fear. <laughs> this is a podcast where seven of us discuss romance novel. <laughs> you got nailed it.
2: Romance novel? Nice. Just I one? I love Great
0: Expectations.
1: My name's Luke, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Luke Schultz. Pip? You can say that backwards. So... I guess, I don't know exactly what to cheer, other than maybe this is, you brought it up earlier, I actually recently rewatched all eight seasons of Game of Thrones, because I have some time on my hands right now. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> well- uh, No,
0: carry on. I want to hear. I want to hear. The I <laughs> don't want to rag on your cheer.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, it was the show that like really captivated myself and lots of people over the first number of seasons, with its like surprising killings, obviously. And getting to like this is the first time I've watched it through like binged watched it kind of like all eight seasons in a couple weeks. So you can kind of like feel like you're on top of the story the whole way. And there are a lot of weaknesses to it. But it's a show that really has a huge amount of characters that you care about and are interested in. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's a really hard to do thing. The performances are really great and every every character adds a little something to the what is really actually just a soap opera, especially the first couple <laughs> seasons, because like they didn't have the budget oh, to do oh, massive, yeah. massive action sequences yet. So <laughs> And I'll say just as an addition to that, even though I don't I don't think I hated season eight as much as is generally hated, even though I don't know if I love it either. But that episode where they fight the dead army at winterfell is awesome and you talk about the score like wait that you whole, saw that scene that whole episode <laughs> stop ragging on his like. sorry sorry the whole episode <laughs> of there being like kind of music but not really like it's like almost silent but there's like a little bit of a bass line or a little bit of electric drums or something i just thought it was so good and yes it was at night but I really, I guess I'll cheer the the long night, the long night I enjoyed. I thought it was great, great mm. television, and really cool tense ending. Who's your favorite Game of Thrones character? I think that you have to choose, like through all eight seasons, Tyrion and Arya, but I just love Davos. I think Davos is the funniest. <laughs> uh, Davos is great. I'm an onion. I'm an onion. I'm on Team Onion Night. <laughs> <laughs> We are knights, too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. uh, awesome. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Good time. Good cheer. Alex, what's your cheer? We promise not to tease you about it. Look, let's ah, tease why do you think
0: it. I came all this way? <laughs> to cheer something. Because um, who's got a better story than me? <laughs> I guess my <laughs> like cheer Brandy is something from. that happened today. It's, not, it's honestly not really a cheer, but I'm... I'm always trying to look at the positive side of things as much as I can. So last night, my car just kind of broke down, didn't work at all. And I left it overnight at my work parking lot. And I was kind of stressed out about how I was going to deal with it today. And then so I obviously I had to get it towed to a place to where they could look and fix it. And as I was riding the train to work, um, I noticed that there was a Toyota service center. And I'm like, oh, Damn. It's pretty close. So I give them a call. They're like, yeah, bring it in. And then I call the tow and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to pay so much money for this. But with my AMA membership, apparently if it's a tow five kilometers or under, it doesn't cost you any extra. Like it's it's included with your membership. So the service center was 3.2 kilometers away. So all that money that I thought I would have to spend on this tow. Nice. I did not have to spend now that's despite that the car is still not fixed and it they still don't know what's wrong with it but at <laughs> least that's a little bit off my chest and that's some money that i expected that i have to pay that i didn't have to so that's my cheer not having to pay nice. for the tow also it was a flatbed and i got to watch the like the tow truck driver like hook up my car and like crank it up and and like <laughs> shit was cool and i got to ride shotgun oh my goodness
2: we were so high up Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, my cheer.
1: <laughs> you had one point seven to one point nine kilometers to spare. Yeah. We could, <laughs> we could, we could, have, could have gone to the, the drive-thru.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you could have. You could have indeed. All right. Excellent group of cheers as usual, friends. Thank you so much. And it's time to end the show, so let's go through it. If you enjoyed what you heard. And of course you did because you listen to the show. Please consider giving us a rating or a review wherever you got your podcast. A simple one or two sentence review really helps us go up in the charts. It helps more people find us, and we do appreciate every single one we get. And give it five stars while you're at it because why not? Why not? Please and thank you. And if you would like to contact the show, you can do so through our email. It is Nothing to Fear Podcast at Gmail dot com, where you can do that. You can also reach the show on Instagram. We are at NTF pod that's our twitter on instagram it is nothing to fear podcast i know the social medias don't even worry about it and if you'd like to contact the hosts directly by the way alex i i've been told to say hello from a random stranger on the internet to you because we know how much you like (laughs) that so hello thanks random stranger (laughs) on the
0: internet i will say hello back to you and um, i hope you're having a good day or night or whenever
2: you're listening to this there we go if you'd like to get in contact with me personally you can find my instagram i'm at billy by design i before e when spelling billy and there's underscores between the words and if you want to get in contact with alex you can message me and i'll say (laughs) i'll pass it on to Alex. but is there anywhere else you'd like to be found alex no (laughs) nowhere at all nowhere at all a burned out house in the vegas suburbs Mm -hmm. that's where we can find alex (laughs)
1: another house doesn't survive
2: yeah that's that's a good trope Another house. <laughs> yes that's true one for the nothing to fear bingo sheet does the house yeah. <laughs> does the house die
1: <laughs> every five houses Luke. burnt down you get a new one
2: there you go <laughs> Luke where can the lovely people hear more of your stuff
1: uh, you can hear on uh, either the liberal soul or really true fiction available on all the podcasting applications and if you happen to live in the nelson bc area you can tune in tuesdays at three o'clock to full spectrum cinema where i also talk about movies <laughs> what's the exact wavelength of that and is it am or fm 93.5 FM. fm cjly kootenai co-op radio shout out And it to does kootenai. have
2: a website i checked it out you can stream oh. it so
1: oh you can stream it you yes. can listen
2: to luke anywhere in the world <laughs> Talk
1: about movies. And my, the, the co-host, whose name is also Alex, he puts <laughs> up a movie something, Movie Cloud, Movie Fox, I can't remember what it's called, but he hosts it on some website as well, but that's not very helpful. So you can watch the movie? Thank you for the plug, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can just listen to us. Let me not totally remember how to direct you to where you can also listen. <laughs>
2: that's the way podcasts are are made but that's awesome yeah so check check out all that stuff and if you'd like to support us in a monetary way you can check out our merch store tpublic.com society6 is also up you can get some wonderful artworks designed by katie rogers and also madison who i had the delightful fortune to meet on my trip across here i managed to meet up with her where she lives and her wonderful dog spud and her dog spud got to meet my cat catch on snow so that was awesome so thanks madison for the design work and katie for the design work and yes next week it's alex's pick so you teased us at the top what are we watching next episode okay i know we're gonna i don't think
0: any of us are gonna like this movie but i do want to revisit it because Uh, i think we all quite like the original so next week we're gonna watch 2003's remake of the texas chainsaw massacre
2: Ooh with okay. Jessica
0: Biel I don't think we're gonna Ooh. like it. Judging by You don't think so? How, judging by how I feel about slashers right now and right. how I think remakes of horror movies go, I don't think I'm gonna like it. But I did really like okay. the first one, so we'll see we'll see right. if
1: I like it or not. I think I've seen that one, but I don't remember anything about
2: it.
0: Well, I think Leatherface is in it, and I think there's a chainsaw. And I think people
2: know. And die. probably a massacre. Yeah. Where's it and set? It probably Wisconsin.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if it was Wisconsin, yes. it'd be the Wisconsin Wisconsin Cheesehead Massacre or something. True, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to find
2: out next week. We'll have to find out next week. So tune in. And remember, folks, they're just movies.
1: There's nothing to fear. All right, take it away. Good news.
0: Fright Night is a 2011 American horror film directed by Craig Gillespie Gillespie, and produced by Michael DeLuca and Alison Rosenzweig, a remake of Tom Holland's Fright Night.
2: Whoa, whoa, whoa wait, 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 no, off air, you, you asked us how to pronounce Gillespie and then you, you totally skipped I... past Rose, what's her name? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I could, I can skip the produced by, I don't think that's, that's important. Is it yeah, really
1: pronounced right. Rosen's
0: It's Rosen Zweg. Okay. It's so
2: Rosen's Probably. Probably. I think like
1: Rosen's like Okay. All right,
2: all right. Let's try it. Keep going. Let's
0: try it. Let's try it again.
2: All right. Take it. Take it from the top.
0: Right. This is all staying in. <laughs> it's not go. getting cut. <laughs> Fright Night is a 2011 American horror film directed by Craig Gillespie and produced by Michael DeLuca and Alison Rosenvig, a remake of Tom Holland's Fright Night, which was, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, we're going to do this one more time. You got it. Time. You got it. This is this is three take one. <laughs> I'm not going to read the producers. We're skipping that. Don't read it. All Just right. Don't read it. Fright Night is a twenty eleven American horror film directed by Craig Gillespie. See, I ended it with an enunciation <laughs> like I'm gonna continue something, so I just got okay. Fright Night is a twenty 2011- eleven